Welcome to the Relationship Church Podcast. In today's message, Having a Mind to Work, Pastor Ryan Neal shares the three attributes needed to build God's kingdom. We must see a need to work, have a desire to work, and the willingness to continue the work when faced with adversity. So the book of Nehemiah, chapter number one and verse one through three says, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, ha- I'm sorry, Hakaliah, uh, it came to pass in the month of Chishlev, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel or the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came with me from Judah. Um, and I asked him concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. So he was asking him, uh, you know, what's going on back at home? There's been a lot of devastation. Uh, we've been taken as slaves and, and we really need to know, uh, I, I wanna know what's going on there for the people who escaped and the people who are uh, back in Judah and, and in Jerusalem. Verse three said, and he said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. And then after this, Nehemiah, the Bible tells us that he begins to pray and he begins to fast and he begins to uh, weep and mourn. Uh, He goes to the king uh, because he sees that there is a need. And so he goes to the king and makes a request of the king, which the king grants. And he goes back and he begins to survey the area. He begins to see the things that were going on to determine uh, what exactly needed to be done. And then we're going to read a single verse in chapter four, chapter four and verse number six. After he had done those things, after he had gotten what he needed from the king, it says, so we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had a mind to work. Father, we come before you, God, we thank you for Uh, this time. God, we thank you for this service together, Lord God. We ask that you come in, oh God, and give us the grace, Lord Jesus, to to hear your word, oh God, and also do your word. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So the Bible says that Nehemiah um, saw that there was work to be done. And the Bible says that, so he said that he built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height. This isn't when it was finished, uh, but this is toward the time when he was still building. But he said the people had a mind to work. The people had a mind to work. And that is what uh, that is what was important here. So I really just want to talk to you from that from that today, that having a mind to work, having a mind to work. Um, and, and in order to have a mind to work, there's three things, and we just kind of have three quick points here, and I'll have a real long message, but one, we have to recognize that there is a need to work. Then we have to desire to work past our personal engagements and, and our personal things. We have to have a desire to work for the Lord above and beyond our personal interest, and we have to make sure that we are willing to work even when we hit adverse circumstances. So under the leadership of Ezra and Nehemiah, the Jewish people um, returned to Jerusalem after the Babylonian captivity. It was there that they began to rebuild these walls in Jerusalem. Uh, The Samaritans and and many other people were opposed to this work and they did not want to see the Jewish people uh, rebuild the walls to their city. And when you hear rebuild the walls to the city, it's easy to take that and, and, and say, okay, well, what's the big deal? There's these walls that go around the city. But in this day, 
these walls that went around the city uh, were like their police force. It's like, in a sense, their first responders. The, the wall was safety. The wall uh, represented uh, so many things. Uh, and even the scripture tells us in the Old Testament, it says that a person who's without self-control, who just lets themselves do whatever, say whatever, uh, act however they want to, it says that they liken them to an individual uh, or likens them rather to a city that does not have any walls. It does not have, it's not contained, okay? And so the walls were very important to them. And these weren't just walls like the walls of your house. These were big, thick walls, walls that were so high that horses could run on the top of the wall and they could do recognizance and see attacks that were coming in by being up on top of the wall. They could see what was going on around them. So these walls were very important. And even so today, uh, imagine your house and somebody gives you a big, beautiful mansion, but there's no walls to the house. There's no protection from the outside elements. And so this is why this was so important. They were rebuilding these walls because they had a city that wasn't really a city. Just like if you have a house, it's not really a house if you don't have walls. So the Jewish people had a mind to work. And the thing that's so amazing about Nehemiah and what he did was that Nehemiah had a plan. And the plan that Nehemiah had uh, caused the people, many people who were rebuilding the wall, they just rebuilt the wall that was in front of their house. It was a lot of people involved. It wasn't like Nehemiah just had a small team, but he had um, many, many people all over the city. And many of them, when you read the scripture in the book of Nehemiah, they just came out and began to rebuild the wall that was in the front of their house. What's interesting about that is that they could have done that all alone, but they did not have a mind to do it. They didn't have a mind to work. And so when Nehemiah got involved, he began to give them the vision and said, you don't have to live like this. You don't have to live without walls. You don't have to live with the gates being burned down. You don't have to live this subpar life, but it's going to take some work on your behalf in order to get done what needs to be done. So we read that the wall progressed as they begin to build the wall. And when we hear about having a mind to work, we usually, many times when we hear work, we just think about our jobs. And work for many people isn't necessarily something that they enjoy doing. You know, some people do, but many people don't. And, and there is a reason for that. Uh, you know, a lot of times people will say, well, work was God's punishment on Adam for sin, according to Genesis. Uh, but that's not really the case because Adam was tasked to work before he ever sinned. But the Bible says that once sin entered the earth, then he said that you will toil or work will become hard. But work is biblical because work was something that needed to be done before there was ever a fall, before man ever uh, did the things that God asked him not to do and ended up uh, thrown out of the Garden of Eden. Work was something that Adam was supposed to do. However, it was something that was more enjoyable. We recognize the need, whether you enjoy your job or not, we recognize the need to work. But in this case, we're talking about a physical work that had not a physical work necessarily, but something that has to do with a spiritual work for God's people. This type of work is a labor of love. It should not be something that is constantly hard for you to do or this necessity or I've got to work for God. Uh, when we have the right mind frame, and we're going to talk about the mind frame that's necessary in a moment, but when we have the right mind frame, then we will begin to uh, have a labor of love and our love for God and his kingdom will be the reason that we work. 
And truthfully, when it comes to the things of God, that is where we should be most of the time. We should not be saying, well, I got to do this. And well, I got to go to choir practice or I've got to rehearse with the team. And it becomes something that is uh, weighing you down. No, but you realize that the scripture tells us that a wise man would it so. So whatever I can do, whatever you can do in order to see the work of the Lord move forward, we ought to have a good attitude about that. And it ought to be something that we desire to do. So one, Ezra, uh, I'm sorry, Nehemiah recognized that there was a work that needed to be done. And we know that there is always work that needs to be done. Jesus told the disciples that the fields are white with harvest, but pray that the Lord will send some laborers. The Lord has given us his commission, even in Matthew uh, 28 and 19, where he tells us to make disciples of all nations, uh, uh, all nations, including the nation that we're in. Sometimes we hear, hear that scripture and we begin to think about foreign missions. But, you know, until everybody in this nation is discipled, then we're included in all nations. We have a mission to work. Uh, because we, we, we have to work in this world. We have work that needs to be done all over the world, but also right in our backyard, okay? So we have to make sure that, um, that we understand and see and recognize that there is a need to work. And the leadership here at our church, we have a program for work. We have work to do with our youth. We have work to do in our neighborhood. We have work to do all around us. We have work to do even in getting the church together. We've got work to do in discipleship. We've got work to do in evangelism. And, and we have to make sure that we are ready to do that work. But sometimes we end up in a place where we're not ready to do the work because the scripture says where you should be desiring meat. Instead, you are still desiring the sincere milk of the word. So we come in church and we really don't want to serve. We just want to be fed. We come in church and we don't want to do anything. We just want to hear the word. Uh, and sometimes we don't even really have a desire to hear the word, but we just know, well, church, that's just what you do. You're supposed to go. And, and I don't mean this message to be uh, rebuking in nature, but if it does, then, hey, that, that's what it is. I'm just preaching what the Lord gave me for us today. But we've got to get to a place where we are willing to work and we are willing to uh, do the things of God, even when it seems inconvenient to man, even when it seems inconvenient to us. If I only preach the word of God when I felt like it, I'm going to be honest with you, I wouldn't be preaching to you all much at all. If I only continued to pastor when it was convenient for my life and convenient for my family, I would have quit a long time ago. But there is a work that God has called us to do, and we have to be ready to do the work of the Lord, regardless of how we feel, regardless of what we think about what God said to do. We've got to be obedient to the things of God, whether we like it or not. And, 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 and it's easy for me to say that because I've been there and I've had to do that on a regular basis. Even today, uh, I, I, I planned to have somebody else preach today because I was trying to get some other things ready for next week. And I said, well, you know what? I waited too long and I said, well, I'm just gonna preach myself. And then yesterday, uh, out of just nowhere, I woke up, well, last night and this morning, whatever, woke up about 2 a.m., couldn't breathe, don't know what's going on, just my sinuses, uh, not, not COVID, no fever, anything like that, but just couldn't breathe, taking Benadryl, trying to lay back down, ended up up three or four hours last night, just feeling horrible, but you know what? 
I still knew that the Lord wanted me to deliver this message today. So I didn't say, well, you know, I don't feel like it. I'm going to get somebody else to do it or let's just cancel service or let's no, because I know that there is a work to be done because I know that there's something that God is calling us to. I don't allow how I feel to dictate what I do. And many of us, not to get off the subject, but many of us, the reason that we are where we are in life right now is because we only do what we feel like doing. The reason you're not more successful on your job, the reason they promoted somebody else over you, the reason that you didn't get the, uh, the accolades that you were supposed to get or win the award or get the promotion or get the raise is because if we don't feel like doing it, many times we just don't do it. But when there's a work to be done, you can't wait on motivation to get you started. You've got to just know that there is something that needs to be done. We've got to do the work that is before us. There are those many times who need to be told what to do. And there are also those who recognize what need to be done and do it. If we only do the things that we are told to do, then we really don't have a mindset of work. We really don't have a mindset that we need to work. We need to do what needs to be done regardless of being told to do it, regardless of feeling like doing it. In Ecclesiastes 9 and 10, it says, whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. Colossians 3 and 23 tells us that whatever we do, we ought to do it as working for the Lord. How much more the Lord's work if, if, if we're actually working for him? So even now, we don't need to be waiting around necessarily just with somebody for somebody to tell us what to do. We just have to get busy and work. If you see a need, then you need to uh, uh, reach out. If, if you're seeing a need, and that's one of the good things about having a smaller church like we do, is it's really no red tape. Uh, if you see something that needs to be done, you just reach out to me. You reach out to Jessica, Olu, uh, uh, reach out to somebody and just say, hey, I want to do this and this needs to be done. And, and I guarantee you, we'll be ready to team up with you to see whatever God has given you come to fruition. So you don't have to just wait around for somebody to tell you what to do. Just get busy doing the work. It is encouraging to us as leaders uh, to see someone that is doing work. Oh, you don't know how it warms my heart. There's times even in this church, and I thank the Lord for our group of people that we have, this core group that we have here now, uh, because there's so many times that I would be discouraged and I would begin to see somebody doing something. I'll begin to see some something and I say, you know, this person is really growing. And it would just encourage my heart to see that, to see other people work. Um, the greatest encouragement that a leader can have is for those uh, who uh, follow to work, who have a desire to work and begin to work. Um, we have to, uh, you all have to ask sometimes because there's so many different things going on. How can I get involved? I know the Lord is calling me to be involved. And then we need to actually get involved. Volunteer to uh, teach children's church. Volunteer on a major project that you see going on. Uh, volunteer to help uh, spearhead some new evangelism uh, uh, that's going on and, and, and just have that desire to work. We need the members to be keenly interested in the work that God is calling for us to do. Uh, a lot of times, again, we, we get to this point where we uh, are com competing. And sometimes even when we see that there's work that needs to be done, that interest of the work that needs to be done competes with our personal interest. Uh, you know, I need some overtime at my job. You know, obviously we know we all have to work and work uh, from a secular standpoint. I use this word secular loosely, but work from a secular standpoint is something that is 
uh, is necessary and it's biblical. Uh, but a lot of times our personal interests, our hobbies, uh, oh, I want to uh, go back to school and this education I need, or, you know, my, my family, we begin to have these competing interests and we can't work for the Lord because we're working too much trying to build our own kingdom or to build our own thing or to get some letters at the end of our name or a doctor in front of it. And again, you all know I'm not against education because I have education. But we have to make sure that we're not allowing the things that we're going after, the things that we're trying to do, uh, uh, working a, a bunch of different jobs and, you know, constantly got something else going on. Or maybe it's just hobbies that are constantly taking us away from the things of God. Or maybe it's our children's um, uh, our, our children's activities because, you know, they got to play soccer and football and basketball and baseball. And then you can't never come to church because you constantly got a full schedule. But we have to have a desire to work for the Lord regardless of our personal interests. We have to know that it is God that we're serving. It's not just a church that we're building, a church building, but we are building the kingdom of God. A wise man with its souls. We all have a personal life. And it's often convenient to excuse ourselves from the Lord's work to attend our own personal work, interests, and desires. But when it comes to the Lord's work, we need to avoid this kind of attitude. The Bible tells us to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The welfare of God's kingdom must come first in our lives. He said, if you seek me first, all these other things will be added unto you. And I think that is one of the scriptures that we in this age, we have not put God to the test in those things. We just believe that, well, if I'm going to, uh, um, if I'm going to see fruit in my life, then I've got to do these things. I can't put God first. If I want an A on the test, if I want more money, I got to get another job. If I want an A on the test, I got to study when I should be at church or should be volunteering. If, if I want my kids to uh, get a scholarship, then, you know, they can't come to church. They got to be at Kumon at that time or Magnesium or whatever. But we don't put God to the test in believing that he said, if you seek me first, I'll add the other things unto you. And you'll be wondering why they're getting A's on their math test when, when they didn't go to their math training. Because God is saying, if you put me first in the things that you do, I will exalt you. I will bless you. You won't understand it, but it's not for you to understand because that thing that you've made natural is supernatural. And when you bless me, I'll bless you. We have to make some sacrifices in our personal life. Consider the sacrifices that Jesus made. And he tells us in Philippians 2 and 5, when he's talking about these things, uh, to have this mind, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And, and we need to know and to understand that the mindset of God was a mindset of sacrifice. It was a mindset of giving. And, and God blessed him. And, and he uh, even making himself as low as he made himself, the Bible tells us and the Bible shows us that he now has a name that's above every name. Yes, he humbled himself. And we'll go there in a minute. But yes, he did humble himself. And yes, he did have to uh, uh, make himself lower than the angels. But in exchange for that, God gave him a name that is above every name. You don't have to go there, but I'm going to read it to you real quick. We're going to read uh, Philippians chapter number two. Let's look at this mindset that Jesus had. Philippians chapter two and verse one, it says, therefore, if, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being what? Like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. 
do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. No, he's talking about preferring your brother over yourself. It's not about you. It's not about your selfish ambition. It's not about you being vain or being conceited. He says, rather in humility, value others above yourself. When you're valuing others above yourself, that is working for the kingdom because you're working for the kingdom and you want to see the things of God come to fruition more than you want to see your own uh, plans and visions come to fruition. And when you begin to work in the kingdom of God, that begins to bless others. I'm going to stop here and tell you right now, don't nobody care in heaven what initials you have behind your name. Don't nobody care in heaven how much money you made. Don't nobody care in heaven how many doctorate degrees you were able to amass. The only thing that's going to matter in heaven is what you did for Christ while you were down here on this earth. Only what we do for Christ will last. Verse 4 says, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God to be something to use to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to death on a cross. And watch that. He said he became obedient <clears throat> even to death on a cross. That was one of the most humiliating ways to die, was to die through death on a cross. <clears throat> but the Bible tells us that he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Now, look at that. He was equal to God. He didn't consider that something to be used to his own advantage. If, if, if we were to receive some type of superpower, if you look at that, for a moment as a superpower, we would be doing everything we could to try to use to our own advantage, <clears throat> whatever it is, power that we had. But the Bible says that he did not use his power to be, he didn't see his power. He didn't see his power as something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. All of the power he had, all of the ability he had, he used it to serve. Everything that God has given us, if you really want to know what your purpose is in life, uh, I tell people all the time, if you really want to know what your purpose is in life, your purpose, if, if you know that everything that you do in this world, everything that you do is a gift to somebody else, then how you figure out what your purpose is, is you figure out what is my best gift. What, what do I have to give the world? It's not about uh, uh, you trying to satisfy yourself or you trying to make yourself happy, but God put us here to serve each other. And he even put Jesus here to serve us. But watch this. Like I told you before, the scripture tells us and the scripture makes it clear that if you seek first the kingdom of God, as Jesus did, all these other things will be added unto you. So it says here in verse nine, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. See, we worried about a title, but God never promised to make your title great. He promised Abraham that he would make his name great. 
And so we, we worried about titles and we worried about initials and we worried about doctorates and we worried about uh, uh, being a bishop and, and, and all these things. And, and the Bible says, no, I will make your name great. He gave Jesus a name that was higher than every name. And it says, and at the name of Jesus, even still to this day, every knee shall bow in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. So we see that we have to have the desire. We have to have this desire uh, to work and we have to desire that beyond our personal interests. Paul exhorts us in, in Romans 12 and one, he said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He wants us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. The greatest thing that many of us can sacrifice is time. We need to make time to do spiritual things. Perhaps we can reconsider going out uh, to attend a church function that we normally wouldn't come to. Perhaps we can reconsider how we can use some of our vacation time on work to be able to serve and to be able to help uh, in our church. Perhaps we can reconsider how we use our time on the weekend and instead use that as a way to serve the Lord. But it all comes from having the proper mindset. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4 and 17, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind or, or uh, the futility of their thinking, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness or lasciviousness to work all uncleanliness with greediness. That word lasciviousness means that you've been doing the wrong thing so long that you don't even really know how to stop. It's just, it's just your mindset. You're constantly thinking wrong. You're constantly uh, uh, doing wrong. It says in verse 20, but you have not so learned Christ. Don't be like the people in the world. He said, you have not learned that. You have learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him, and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, your former mindset, your former uh, uh, personal interests. I've got to worry about me and I've got to get my things done. But he says, no, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, be renewed in the spirit of your thinking that you can put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness putting aside our personal interest to work for the Lord requires a new mindset. And in Colossians 3 and 1 through 3, it says, if you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So he says, you can't consider the former ways. You can't think like the world thinks. The world thinks, okay, in order for me to see my personal interests come to pass, then I have to work on my personal interests. I've got to be selfish. And now selfishness is, isn't even a bad word. It was a time where selfishness was a bad word, uh, even in the world and especially in the church. But now, no, it's not even a bad word anymore. People have memes and they're constantly talking about, well, you got to be selfish and you, you got to be selfish about yourself and you got to get your own things done. But that goes against what the word of God says. The word of God tells us to esteem others above ourselves. And then God said, I'm going to be selfish concerning you. I'm going to add those other things uh, uh, to you as you begin to seek 
what the will is of the Father, as you begin to seek how to grow the kingdom of God, as you begin to seek how to bless your brother, he said, then I will add all of these things unto you. But I'm afraid, my friends, that we have fallen into the same thought process as the world. We have fallen into the same thought process of the ones who are the enemy of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. And we have begun to become more like the world. And we have begun to think that it's okay to be selfish. And I got to worry about mine and I'm going to get mine. And, and, and I'm not telling you to be ignorant. But what I am telling you is that God is telling us, seek me and I'll seek you. You seek me and I'll seek you. And I guarantee you God's seek game is much harder than yours is. And so as you begin to glorify him, he will begin to make your name great. Just like the scripture that we just read, he said that he made himself lowly. He humbled himself and he made himself unto lowly man. And he thought it not be something to be attained, to be equal with God, but he used his power. He used his equalness with God to serve people. And then God exalted him and gave him a name that was above every name. Seek first the kingdom of God. Believe that. Believe that. Begin to test that out in your life so that you can see that God's word is true. But we have not done that. Many of us have not done that. What have we done? We have allowed the adversity of life to cause us to say, well, I got to just worry about me. Well, they burned me once, but they're not going to burn me again. And I know it doesn't feel good to have somebody that you're looking out for, that you want to help or that you want to bless, not to help and to bless you. But even in the book of Nehemiah, they had adverse circumstances just in this same way. They had people constantly calling unto them, trying to tell them, come down from the wall. Don't finish this work. Don't put your city back together. And when you read the book of Nehemiah, you begin to see that there were actually people who were working with weapons in one hand to defend themselves and, and stacking bricks and building the wall with the other hand. And people would take shifts. The Bible says that they weren't even changing clothes or they weren't even taking their clothes off. They may have been changing clothes, but they weren't even resting or, or getting comfortable where they were. If they was changing clothes or taking in a bath, they just put clothes right back on because they never knew when they were going to have to go out and, and fight against the people that were trying to keep them from building up this wall. But one thing that we have to know is that even in adversity, we still can trust the word of the Lord. There is no... Um, there, 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 there is no caveat to the word of God. When he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. There is no if, but clause. There is no, uh, but if this happens or if that happens, then don't do this. No, it is a blanket statement that is true and has stood the test of times. Even in adversity, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. The, uh, there's an old story about the uh, a, a egg, a carrot, and coffee. And, and a, a girl was telling her mother about how she had so many things going on in her life and she didn't feel like she was going to be able to make it because she just had so much adversity and things going on. And many of you may have heard this story, but her mother took her to the kitchen and she started boiling three pots of water. And in one of them, she dropped an egg. In one of them, she put some carrots. And then in the other thing of water, she put some coffee beans. And, and, and the, the pots all boiled for about 20 minutes. And after they were done boiling, she took them off the, off the, the uh, stove and, and she asked the daughter, she said, now tell me what did the water do to the egg? And she said, well, it hardened it. The water, the boiled water hardened the egg. And she told, and told her to examine the carrots. And she said, what happened to the carrots? And she said, the carrots got soft. 
And then she said, and what happened to the coffee beans? And she said, well, now there's this aroma of coffee coming up and I'm, I'm able to smell this, this coffee. Um, and her mother began to explain to her that the, the egg, the carrot, and the coffee had all been through the same extenuating circumstances, but different things had happened. Their profiles, every, everything had been changed in some form or the other by going through adversity. But, but the egg became hardened in its circumstances. The carrots became soft in its circumstances, but the coffee changed the water. The egg is the person that goes through adversity and all of a sudden they don't want to have to, nothing to do with nobody. They got an attitude. They just become hardened about life and they're negative and, you know, when the Lord ain't going to bless me and they just got this, this built up uh, uh, hardness about them that the Lord can't even use them. They don't have a heart of flesh anymore, but they've got this hardened heart that's hardened against God and definitely hardened against people. Then you got people that are like the carrot. They go through adversity and say, well, I guess my life just ain't going to get no better. I can't make it. I can't do this. And then you got the coffee bean. The coffee bean, when the coffee bean was put in the same situation as the egg and the carrot, it didn't get hard. It didn't get soft. But what it did is it changed the surrounding of what was there. And that's how we have to be in the body of Christ. I heard another example that, that illustrates this a few years back, and it was talking about the thermostat or the thermometer. When we're in a situation, uh, the thermo when, when a thermostat is in a situation, it relegates the temperature in a place. You go and set your thermostat, and if it's 80 degrees in the house and you want it to be 70 degrees, you turn it down to 70, and eventually the temperature in the house comes to correspond with what you set the thermostat at. But that's not so with the thermometer. With the thermometer, it's just going to tell you what temperature it is. It ain't going to get no better. It ain't going to get no worse. It's just going to tell you where you are. But we have to be uh, the type of people that allows our characters to define the situation that we're in, not be defined by the situation that we're in. Like the coffee, we got to change our surroundings. We can't allow our surroundings to change us. We can't let it make us hard. We can't let it make us soft. And so I ask you, how do you respond to adversity? If we look at the example of the early church in Acts chapter number eight, it says, therefore, they were scattered abroad. We talked about this a few weeks ago uh, when we were uh, before we paused our Acts series. And it says they were scattered abroad. Why? Because uh, your boy uh, Saul uh, uh, turned to Paul. Saul was going into the houses and dragging people out and killing people. They were facing adversity. Stephen had been stoned. But the Bible says that they went about scattered abroad, not to quit. Not to become soft like the carrot and say, woe is me. Not to become hardened like the egg and say, I knew I shouldn't have never trusted this stuff. I should have just stayed with my Judaistic ways. But the Bible says that they went about preaching Christ. They went about turning the world upside down, marked by adversity, marked by things that were not good. They began to change the environment and change the surroundings around them. They used adversity to grow. Will we allow adversity to wilt us? Or will we allow adversity to harden us? Or will we allow adversity to transform us into something that can be used by God? First, Second Corinthians 2 and 14 through 16 says, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death, to other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is, who is sufficient for these things?
We can't afford to allow criticism and adversity and hard times to stop us from doing the work of the Lord. In our text in Jeremiah, excuse me, Nehemiah chapter four, the Samaritans were fiercely critical of the work of the Jews. They didn't let the criticism stop them though. They still began to work and continue to work in finishing the wall. Even if they were interrupted for a moment, even if they had to go and grab a spear, they didn't let it stop them. They didn't let criticism stop them. They didn't let, uh, <clears throat> they, they didn't allow anything that was around them. They did the work anyway and accomplished something. There, um, excuse me, there are going to be people who are going to criticize us. We must continue to work. There are going to be things that come up in our lives that make it inconvenient to work for God. We must continue to work. There's going to be selfish ambition and things that we want to accomplish, and we don't see how we can work for God and still put time towards what we want to do. We have to continue the work. We can't afford to stop working because we can't see any results. Uh, so many times in our life, I was talking to my mother a few weeks ago, and she was talking about how uh, when the Lord was drawing her and when the Lord was uh, uh, calling her unto him, her mother had been asking and wanting for a long time for her to be saved. And, and her mother didn't really see any outside or visible results of the prayers that she had been praying. But little did she know that the Lord was, was tugging at my mother's heart. And just like that iceberg that sometimes you're tapping against and you don't see any change happening to it, but all of a sudden it begins to shatter. Look at Noah. For over 100 years, he preached without any results at all. And the people were saying, what is rain? What are you talking about? Rain is going to come from the sky. Rain doesn't come from the sky. Rain comes up from the ground because back then it had never even rained before. Rain didn't come down. It was just like it was in the Garden of Eden. In the morning, rain or water rather would come up from the ground and it was dew. And that is how the crops were watered. It didn't come down from the heaven. It came up from the earth. And so for a hundred years, he preached with no result. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, old dumb Noah seemed to look pretty smart when all of a sudden these, this, this foreign substance started coming down uh, from the sky. We can't get discouraged when it seems like things are not happening the way that we want them to happen. We have got to be faithful and know that God who called us will also perform. He who has begun a good work will also complete it. It's important to us because many times we, we hear messages like this and we think about other people, and that's true. We need to be thinking about other people, but what I want you to know and to understand is that it's important. The work of the Lord is important just to save your own family. What, what your kids see you doing is much more important than what they hear you say. If they see you constantly working for the Lord and working in the house of the Lord, then they're going to pick up that example and they're more likely to be saved. But if they feel like the other activities that you've got going on are more important than God, then they're going to be raised in a household where they're going to grow up thinking that God is just something that we do on weekends. We have to make sure that we are setting the proper example for our families, for our children, for our spouses, for the people that are around us. Because at the end of the day, with this crazy world that we've got going on, if we can't do anything more than save our own families, we will have accomplished something. But, but when we are focused on ourselves, when we're focused on our own lives, when we're focused on how we feel and what we want to do, then God is saying that, that when you're not seeking me first then you will not see the blessings that come from the promise of that scripture. But when you're seeking me, then I'll begin to seek you. 
when you are seeking after the things of God, when you are working for me, when you're working for God, then God said, I will begin to work for you. His promises are true. We don't serve God just so that he'll serve us. But he said, but if you serve me, I will serve you. If you bless me, I will bless you. God's work must go forward. We have a work to do. We have a work to do. And we have to recognize that there is a work to do, that there are people who need the Lord, that there are people constantly uh, discouraged, committing suicide, giving up on life because we are not reaching them. We have to understand that this work that needs to be done has to be done regardless of our personal interest, regardless of how we feel, regardless of what we want to do. And it has to be done in spite of adverse circumstances that may come against us. God is calling for us, Relationship Church, as we move, as we go forward, to remember that many times the most important thing you can give is your time. The most important thing that you can do is working for the Lord. And I'm excited. I just hear the Lord saying, put me to the test in that if you seek me first, then all these other things will be added unto you. Put me to the test. Ask me to, 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 to give you some type of um, uh, give you some type of test, something. Uh, I, I pray that even now the Lord begins to bring to your mind something that he wants you to stop doing so that you can start doing something more in his kingdom. I pray that the Lord gives you a way to back out of certain things or to let go of certain things so that you have more time to give unto his kingdom, knowing that you can never beat God in the giving game. I ask that he just begin to minister to your heart right now in the name of Jesus. God, give us a desire to work for you. Give us a mind to work, Lord Jesus, like the, the, the children of Israel did in the book of Nehemiah, oh God. In the midst of adversity, help us, Lord God, to realize that there's a, a, a work in your kingdom that needs to be done. God, as you take us into this new place, as you take us into this new building, God, I ask that you anoint us, oh God, to do your work. God, speak to our heart right now, to everyone under the sound of my voice, oh God. Begin to show us how we can make sacrifices for you. God, no, not just so that we can be paid back for it, although we know that that is your promise, but so that we can be faithful, Lord Jesus, over the ministry that you have called us to, that we can be faithful, oh God, in our gifts, in our time, in our talent. God, you've given us talent, not just to use it for ourselves, not just to use it for the world, but to use it, Lord God, to the upbuilding and upbringing of your kingdom. And so, God, I ask you right now to help us, oh God, show us, Father, how it is that we are to work for you. God, I ask you, oh God, today, not just to allow us to be rebuked by the word, but that you allow us to be encouraged by the word. Because God, what an honor and what a privilege to know that you are concerned with us working for you. How awesome is it, oh God, that, that you say that what you have given us, what you have blessed us with can be of use by your kingdom. God, you said, if we don't praise you, the rocks will cry out. Oh, God, but we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you thought enough of us to use us to build your kingdom. God, you could call down a legion of angels to do the things that you want to do. God, you could change things all around, but God, you thought enough of us to say, you are important. I love you. I've given you talent. I've given you amazing abilities, and I want you to use them for me because what I've given you, what's inside of you, because you are worth it. You are worth it, and I need you. Everybody under the sound of my voice, whatever your name is, just put your hand on your 
on your heart and just say, God, you need me. God, you need me. And God, I'm going to be faithful to you because I am overjoyed that you need me. God, I am humbled that you need me. In the mighty name of Jesus, God, we thank you. We thank you, God, for, for looking on us, oh God, and counting us worthy to serve you. No matter, God, what we've done, no matter, oh God, our past, no matter our sin, God, you're calling us through all of the rubbish, through all of the things of our life, through everything that we've been through, God, you're calling us. You're still calling us, God, because you called us before the foundation of the world. You called us before you figured out how messed up we were going to be. You called us, oh God, before you be, be before, oh God, even knowing everything that was going to happen in our lives and everything that we were going to get ourselves into and everything that the enemy was going to bring against us. And so that same call that was there before you said, let there be light and there was light. That same call, thank you, Jesus. That same call that was there before Genesis was ever written is the same call for September 2021. And we give you praise, God. We give you honor and we give you glory. God, you are worthy. And we thank you, God, that you have made us worthy to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you all. I hope that you uh, were encouraged, not just, uh, uh, not just rebuked, but also exhorted by the message. It's something that we all need to hear from the pulpit to the door, as they say. We all need to hear that we need to uh, be more faithful in the work that God is calling us to, not just always doing what we want to do or what we feel like doing, but saying, you know what, let me work with my hands because God gave me hands. Let me work with my feet because God gave me feet. Let me work with my mind because God gave me a mind. And what would I do better with it than to give it back to him? Amen. We pray that today's message has been a blessing and makes an eternal impact on your life. Come join us live on Sunday at 1245 p.m. Central Time. If you're in the St. Louis metro area, we meet at 1060 Chambers Road, a little over a mile south on Bell Fountain Road from Highway 270. You can also join us via Zoom. The login number is 314-720-8880. You can call that same number to reach someone on our ministry team or text the word connect there to be in the know regarding upcoming events. Again, that number is 314-720-8880. We are Relationship Church. Come grow with us.